day. I like, did y'all like the, uh, the bench press up here last week? You're like, where's Coach Jackson's over in overflow? If y'all weren't here, he was rep. Y'all make sure y'all got those in order so I don't mess it up. All right, we're good. I'm going to call Dylan. You ready for this? Now, you don't have to come up yet. Well, you can go ahead and come up. Go ahead and come up. You can sit on the front row. Everybody give it up for Dylan. I'm, uh, man, I'm excited, about, I'm excited about this sermon. But more than that, I'm excited about this freedom series that we're in. And every week, I've done my best to give you kind of that Netflix update. You know, you're watching that Netflix show, and, and you watch that 30-second, like, okay, what happened in the last 14 seasons of this thing that I've been watching? So we've been reading through the book of Exodus, and we're talking about the Israelites and their journey. So just to catch you up a little bit, we, we've talked about Moses and the burning bush. We've talked about the ten plagues. We've talked about the Exodus and the, well, the Passover, then the Exodus. We talked about the Red Sea. So where we find ourselves now is the Israelites have just crossed through the Red Sea. So Egypt is behind them. Pharaoh is behind them. That, that captivity is behind them. And from the outside looking in, it seemed like everything was lining up. They were on their way to the promised land. They were on their way to what scripture calls the land of milk and honey. But inevitably it happens. There's a shift from the external to the internal. See, see, up until this point in Exodus chapter 15, everything they were facing was external. All the plagues were external. Pharaoh was external. The Egyptian army was external. It was something they could see. Even the Red Sea itself was external. It was something they saw. The Red Sea parted. They moved through. So the enemy decided to shift the attack of, or the focus of the attack. Tried to poison their spirit. So that's where we're kind of picking up with the story. This past week, I was in the coffee shop on Wednesdays. Um, I, I go to the coffee shop on Wednesday mornings. That's my writing day. That, that's the day that I kind of hammer out the, the meat of the sermon. And, and I sit at one of the tables. And typically, I have my headphones in. But there weren't too many people in the shop. Uh, the weather wasn't that great this week. Anybody recognize that it was rainy and cold? Like how come, like New York is like, yeah, we're getting all this snow. I would rather have some snow right now than the nonsense that we have, right? It's like, it's going to snow. No, it's 34 and miserable, right? Like, like I, wish, I wish we had a little bit of snow, but I, but I overheard a conversation uh, because I didn't have my headphones. I promise I wasn't eavesdropping. Y'all know those people that think they're whispering, but they're not whispering, and you can hear them across. Do y'all ever, ever in a restaurant or you're in a coffee shop and you hear those people I was I promise you, this is me confessing, you're my counseling session again. I promise I wasn't eavesdropping, okay? But I, I couldn't help but to overhear the conversation. And, and this, is what, this is what I overheard. I'm in my 30s and I still feel great. Well, that's how you're supposed to feel at 30, right? Like, where are my 30-year-olds at? Like, like I feel, I'm like, yeah, my hip's hurting a little bit, but I feel, I feel good. What happens when you get to 40 and 50? Like... But the person said, I'm in my 30s and I still feel great. I'm educated. I'm financially secure. I know the direction I'm going in my life. I don't need someone else to provide for me. And I was typing as fast as I could. And I'm like, yeah, you, you go. Yeah, you, you go. And this, and this is what shifted. This is what the individual said. But internally, I'm wrestling with emotions and feelings about life. I really just want to sit still, but I'm scared to sit by myself. And that's what they were saying to their friend 
across the table. I could tell there was a shift from the external to the internal. I could tell that in this person's life, everything looked like it was like it was going well. The job was going well. The relationships were going well. But internally, they were battling. Now, if you're honest with yourself, and if I'm honest with myself, I, I stopped for just a second, and, and I had to journal because I've been there. I, I've been in that moment. I've had that conversation with that friend. I've had that conversation with my wife, and, and, and not often enough. I don't, I don't have that conversation with, with myself as much as I should. But I feel good about life, and sometimes we feel good about life. We have a group of friends that we can confide in. You see God's faithfulness in your life. Things are lining up. The job's going well. The family is healthy, but, but then the thoughts start. And you start wrestling with what's between your ears. You start wrestling with this real estate. You start second-guessing yourself. You start feeling a little lethargic. Internally, you're just tired. You're worn out. And when you wake up on the weekends, all you really want to do is lay in bed. And it's like, oh, you know what? Like, I, I, I wake up, but, but maybe... Maybe if I get up, I just want to stay in the house. I just want to sit on the couch. I, I don't really want to be around people. And that's exactly where the Israelites are. Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. Three days, no water. They were tired, and they were thirsty. Where's my parents in the room? Anybody ever taken a road trip with, with the kiddos? Could y'all imagine a three-day road trip with your kids in the car? I see, I saw that hand. Like, it's like, oh, dear Jesus, take me now. <laughs> right? like, like, be honest. Like, even if you don't have kids in the house, if you remember going on road trips, imagine this three-day road trip and you're out of snacks. So, babe, we don't have any more puffs. Listen, if you're in our house and we run out of puffs, we in trouble. Like, we're, like... I'm going to the store, midnight, don't care, going to the store. Like, we have to have, we have to put, so no more puffs, no more cookie bars, no more apple juice, no more orange juice. Listen, you've gone through every single playlist that you have on your phone. You've listened to country music, right? Some of you are like, I ain't ever listening to country music. You do on this road trip, okay? You've listened to rock, you've listened to alternative. Listen, you've gone through so many playlists that you even thought Bon Jovi was good, right? You started listening to Bon Jovi. Where's my Bon Jovi fans? I go... We'll pray for all of you guys who like Bon Jovi. Classical, I'll fall asleep. <laughs> but listen, you still love everyone in the car, but you're tired, you're a little bit hangry, and you just want the trip to be over. And that's, that's where the Israelites are, and the enemy knew it. The enemy likes to attack when we're tired and when we're thirsty. But then they finally made it to the oasis. Verse 23 says this, when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. The water was too bitter to drink. Go back to my road trip analogy. It's like you finally find the exit that has the rest stop. Or you finally have, does anybody like keep driving past exits just to get to a good gas I have, I have to make sure I get to a good gas station. right? If I'm, if I'm seeing those sketchy gas stations, I'm going to keep driving. So they got to the exit. They thought they had a good gas station, and you pull up, and it's not a good gas station. 
You walk inside to look for the restroom sign, and the restroom sign is, here's a key, and you got to walk back outside and around the building. Y'all been to that? (laughs) Y'all been there, right? And then you open the door, and you're like, nope, we're getting back in the car. We're going to the next exit. Right, that, that's where the Israelites were. They found this oasis and they, and they found this water. They hadn't had water for three days, but the water was bitter. Then you go back inside and hand them the key with some like obscure thing hanging from it. Like, I don't want to steal this. Like, what makes you think I want to keep your key? You walk over to the snack section and it's worse than the grocery store in North Carolina when we think we're going to have snow, right? There's nothing there. And, and that's, that's where the Israelites were. So verse 24, what happened? Then the people did what? They complained and they turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water and this made the water good to drink. They expected one thing, but they got another. They expected one thing, But they got another, and when they got what they didn't expect, they complained. They turned against Moses, and then they begin to demand, what are we going to drink? Dylan, this is where you get to come up. You get to be my Vanna White, all right? So Dylan, come come on up for me. So they got to this desert, right? Look, we even even like got this paper still on here for you, so you go take the paper off, and when I direct you, You're just going to drink from one of the cups. You're going to drink the water from one of the cups. So go ahead and take the paper off the first one. So I need you to pick that cup up and just take a big sip of water. Y'all see, not water, right? It's not water. What was it? It was Sprite. Y'all ever been to to a restaurant and you order sweet tea and they bring out a Coke and you're in the middle of a conversation and you take the big sip of Coke and you're like, what in the world? is it's, It's not that the Coke is bad. It's just not what you expected, right? It's just not what you expected. It, th- it throws you off a little bit. So what happens when something throws you off when you're already tired and you're already exhausted? That three-year-old says no to you when you walk in the door from a long day and you're already tired and you're, and you're, already, you're already exhausted. Like you, you tend to go, what in the world is going on? Why, why can't people just align with the way that I'm thinking, right? They're tired. They're exhausted. So go ahead and take that second cup. I need you to take a big sip of the water. Big sip of the water. (laughs) Not not water. What was that? (laughs) That that was, that was, y'all give it up for, y'all give it up for Dylan. You You can go ahead and have a seat. So listen, we laugh. We're like, Pastor, how could you do that? How could you do that to that man? Listen, we laugh, but that's the way we act in our life. We, we laugh, but, but this is what happens. I thought that being married meant that the other person is going to meet every need of loneliness that I've ever had. But the other person is just going to disappoint you if you thought that they were going to fulfill your loneliness. The, the other person is going to disappoint you because it was bitter. It's not what you fully expected. I thought that this new boss and this new job was going to provide me a purpose and a meaning to life. But inevitably, my boss is just going to disappoint me, and I'm just going to become bitter. I thought that my pastor was my source of spiritual connection to Jesus. But he didn't preach what I wanted him to, or he made a decision 
that I didn't like. Inevitably, it's going to turn to bitterness. I had someone call me sensitive this week. I thought that was funny. <laughs> like, clearly, I'm not too sensitive. I made you drink vinegar. I'm sorry. I will, we'll wrap this up in the end. I'm going to have you come back up, all right? You get redemption. We believe in redemption. Amen. <laughs> so how do you know? How do you know if you're susceptible to bitterness? Number one, a complaining spirit is connected to a bitter spirit. Verse 24, the people complained. Would other people say that you're a complaining person? Let, let me ask it this way. Do you bring up problems without offering solutions? Y'all in the workforce, those bosses don't like hearing the problems, right? Like bring, if you bring me a problem, I tell Paul this all the time, hey, y'all bring me a problem. I don't, that's fine. Bring me problems. Just bring me a solution. Tell me what's going on. Just bring me the solution. Or are you just a complaining person? Do you just nitpick and point out the negative? Number two, a lack of honor and respect of others is connected to a bitter spirit. Verse 24, then the people complained and did what they turned against Moses. The question that we can ask ourselves is, do I honor leadership in my attitude, words, and actions? I I say it this way to our team. Can I trust my name in your mouth? Can can your leaders trust their name in your mouth? Do we show honor? Do we show respect? Another way that we can find out if we're susceptible to bitterness is this. A demanding spirit is connected to a bitter spirit. The last part of verse 24, what are we going to drink? They did what? They demanded. They demanded to Moses, what are we going to drink? Would other people say that you're a demanding person? Do you demand your way through? Because when we begin to complain about what we don't have and demand your way into getting it, or to getting what you want, it opens you up to bitterness. It opens you up to bitterness. I want to get the band to come back up. Complaining and demanding. Complaining and demanding. Side note, like we're still in chapter 15. Y'all remember last week, we were in chapter 15. If you weren't here last week, let me catch you up. We had the bench press up here, and we were saying, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in weakness. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to open my mouth, and I'm going to sing my song. Imagine being God in that moment, looking down at the Israelites now that they're faced with a little bit of bitterness. He's like, yeah, sing your song, sing your song. And then all of a sudden, the Israelites start what? They start demanding and complaining. Could you imagine, like, I'm like, Israelites, like, y'all, y'all bipolar. Like, what's going, like, what's going on? That's a mic stand. Uh, like, what's, what's going on? Why are you so close to me, man? Bam, bam, bam. Israelites, what, what's going on? You were singing praises. Your strength was connected to your song. Then you start singing the wrong song. You had it figured out. Boast in your weakness. Don't be bitter. Don't complain. Don't demand. Boast in your weakness because where you're weak, I'm, I'm strong. Now they're complaining. They're demanding. Now, if we're not careful, this is what we do. We like to read ourselves into the hero of the story. So we like to act like we're Moses. We like to act like everyone else is always complaining. We like to act like everyone else at work is always complaining, or everyone at home is always complaining, or all my friends do is complain. But all of us, at some point in our life, have grumbled and complained. Grumbled and complained. I've grumbled and I've complained. 
I've grumbled a lot this week, and I've, I think I'm preaching this to myself right now. But if I find myself complaining and demanding, that's like a warning light that comes on in my car. Y'all know those lights. Don't act like you don't have them. Anybody keep their lights on in their car a long time? Like, gas light comes on, you're like, I'm good. I got 20 miles at least. Anybody else? Just me. What, where's, my, where's my oil change, people? Like, the light, the check engine light comes on, you know you got to get oil change. You're like, I'm good for another 1,000 miles. Like, they're just trying to get my money. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm pushing probably an extra 2,000 miles right now. Damon, I'm sorry. Don't judge me. Damon works on vehicles all the time. You can fix mine when it breaks, I guess. But, but that's, that's what we do. The gas light comes on, and my immediate thought is I can make it 20 more miles. Check engine light comes on, and I look at that little sticker in the top left-hand corner. I'm thinking, I'm good. I got another, I got another 1,000 miles. Complaining. I don't, I don't do it too much. I'm good. I can keep complaining just a little bit. D- demanding. I, I just have to figure out what's going on, and that means I have to know now, regardless of who I have to run through. We're not careful we go full on Karen mode. Y- y'all know Karen mode. You're at the restaurant. My food's not right. I need to speak to the man- manager now, and you're going to comp my meal. Right? I, give, give me mine, and I demand that you fix it now, complaining and demanding. However, when you live an unoffendable life, you're truly free. You're truly free when you live an unoffendable life, when you don't demand when you don't complain. See, the Israelites had left their physical prison, but they could have easily stepped into an emotional prison. And I would say this today, that there are different kinds of prisons. Some people just carry theirs with them. See, see, some people have, have experienced freedom on the external, but, but they haven't experienced freedom on the internal. When you live an undefendable life, you access the next step of your calling. Exodus 15 verse 27 says this, after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. The problem is too many people never leave Marah. Even though Elam is on the other side, the problem is too many people in society are stuck in their own bitterness. So, so pastor, how do I move on from my bitterness? How do I move on from Mara to Elam? How do I get to the 12 springs? How, how do I get to the 70 palm trees? How do I get to the real oasis? How do I get to Elam? You still have to deal with Mara before you ever get to Elam. You, you, you still have to deal with the bitterness before you ever get to Elam. You, you, you still have to deal with life before you ever get to Elam. The reality of it is you can't dump the bitter water out. You, you can't ignore the bitter water. You don't run from the bitter water. It happened. The abuse happened. Dad leaving happen. A a parent dying too soon happen. The business partner that took advantage of you, it happened. The job that you took that was supposed to fulfill you but left you even more empty, it happened. The sister that, that still isn't talking to you, it happened. The bitterness is real. 
You can't run from the bitterness. You can't act like it never happened. The question isn't what's in the water. The question is what has the water been filtered through? Because everything is always filtered through the cross. You invite the cross into the water. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Isn't the cross in the New Testament? Aren't we in the Old Testament? Yeah, but the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the Bible is this, is that Jesus makes himself known all the way through, from the beginning to the end. Verse 25 says this, So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. What did the Lord show him? The Lord showed him a piece of wood. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. And Moses threw it into the water. And this made the water good to drink. Well, pastor, how do you know? How do you know that that the wood represents the cross? I was doing some research earlier this week. And many scholars, many rabbis actually, suggested that the wood that Moses picked up was actually wood from the Garden of Eden. And so when Moses placed the wood into the bitterness, it changed the situation. So you can't can't run from the bitterness. You can't run from the pain. You can't run from people hurting you. You can't run from the business partner. You can't run from your dad leaving you. You can't run from your sister not talking to you. God says don't run. I'm going to meet you there. God God says, don't run from it, step into it. God says, don't run from it, just carry the cross into it. Dylan, if you could come back up. Because when when we place the cross into bitterness, when we place the cross into situations in our life, the situation changes. I don't have to run from it from for the situation to change. Now, there's some bubbles in there. I don't know if it's Sprite. I don't know if it's vinegar. I didn't watch them fill it up. I watched them fill this one up just to make sure it was vinegar. The other ones I didn't watch. I was like, I'm going to get them on that one. I'm going to get them on this one. But sometimes we don't watch when people place the cross into their life. Sometimes society doesn't know when you place the cross in your life. Sometimes society doesn't know when you're in your own prayer closet. Sometimes your friends don't know when you're on your knees before the Lord saying, I've got these dreams and I've got these passions and right now I'm preaching to you. I don't care about anybody else because I know the conversation we had. I I know the conversation that you and I had. I know the dreams that are in your heart. I know the call that's on your life. I know what you said when, when you said God has called me to, I left everything because God has called me to do this. You placed the cross in your life first. You said, I don't care. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to place the cross in my life. Now, are you going to trust God? The question is, will you drink the water? You don't have to wait on me. The question is, are you actually going to drink it? See, when we drink the water, the water is refreshing. When we drink the water, we go back for a second sip. When we drink the water, we recognize that God is in control, that the cross has been placed first in my life. So all